Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. I am so glad to share the next few minutes with you today. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say that we are learning how to live as God's people, and we do this by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well, Timothy Keller writes these words about peace. He says this, The world's peace is an intermittent peace, and Christian peace is a constant, because the world's peace is based on circumstances. And here's what we know. Christian peace is based on a person, Jesus Christ. If you are in need of peace, look to Jesus. If you're tired, if you're burdened, worried, look to Jesus. If the stresses of our world have you on edge, if family conflict, if family loss, or if silence from a family member is at work in your life, I know it can steal peace. Struggle in the workplace can cause, well, a lack of peace. And, oh boy, the news that the dollar seems to be less valuable and harder to attain. That can steal your peace. Having health that's failing or sensing that time is running out as all the things that the holidays need to get done. Well, that can take peace, too. Whatever your situation is, peace is needed. And peace is what you can have today. It's the second Sunday of Advent, and the theme is peace. And fortunately, very fortunately, peace is not just wishful thinking. Peace is not just a desire. You can know peace himself, Jesus Christ. And so that's why I'm glad for those words of Timothy Keller. The circumstances of this world, they are too undependable to build peace upon. Peace must come from a person, a perfect person. Jesus. Our text today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and we hear the voice of John the Baptist, the wild prophet of the desert. He cries out to Israel and to you and to me, and he says, prepare the way for the Lord. John prepares that way before Jesus, but he asks you and me to prepare ourselves to receive Jesus. So, if you want lasting peace, you must do this work of preparation. So, this is the big idea today, and that's this. The good news is that Jesus is King. He is a perfect king in a world full of conflict and strife. And Jesus offers real salvation that opens eternity, not just for for heaven later someday, but for now. He also provides that wholeness right now. In other words, he provides peace. You and I can learn a lot from John the Baptist's call and Israel's response. They react to God and to Jesus by returning, by repenting, and recommitting recommitting to the gospel call. Let's go ahead and read the text. It's in the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
Well, the Gospel of Mark is the shortest of all four Gospels. He gets straight to the point, and he's very direct in the action that he describes. And Mark begins in verse 1 with what may have been the original title of his writing, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. There's a lot packed into that sentence, and I want to take a moment and look at that phrase, good news. Because for many of us, it seems like good news is elusive. Reporters focus on what's going wrong in the world all the time, and so it seems like all there is is bad news. Good news comes from the Greek word euangelion. And from that, we might use the English word evangelical. And here at Valley View, we have evangelical in our name. And it's in the name of our denomination. We are part of the Evangelical Friends Church. It just happens to be we're part of the Eastern region. Our name is our mission. That is, we're to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Now, certainly salvation is a part of the good news. But that's where most people stop when they think of the good news. And yes, the good news of Jesus is that you can be forgiven and you can go to heaven and spend eternity with God. That's good news. But the gospel, the good news is something a bit more. The good news is that Jesus is king. He is the one who rules and reigns over all creation. He is the final authority. He is good. In fact, not just good. He is perfect. Jesus, King Jesus, is good news. Because we have a world full of kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents and senators and rulers of all kinds. We have CEOs and businesses and specialists who are at the top of their field. We have a multitude of human authorities, some very, very good and some not so good. But all of them are fallible. The good news is that we have King Jesus, and he is perfect. He can be depended upon in a way that no other being can be depended upon. The question for you is whether or not you will trust in him as your king. Will you? So, let's talk about John the Baptist here for a moment. I've always wondered when I read about John the Baptist, why John? I've always wondered, and here's what I mean, why does Israel decide that they can trust John the Baptist? Now, we know that God appointed John. So, that's that's part of the reason. But why was it John's words that they flocked to hear? He, he lived in the desert. He dressed in camel hair. He ate locusts and honey. If that was how your next door neighbor dressed and acted, you'd probably want to keep your distance. But John the Baptist was a prophet from the times of old. He was born of a, a barren woman. That's a miracle in the Old Testament that always gets attention. That says, hey, God's at work when there's a miraculous birth. When you think of Samuel in the Old Testament, he was a prophet who anointed Saul to be king, David to be king over Israel. He was born of a barren woman. Now we have John the Baptist making the way for King Jesus. We have Moses. He's born under strange circumstances to be safe, to be kept safe. He's placed in a basket and floated down the Nile River in Egypt. And he was the first of the prophets. And he was the one who would lead Israel out of slavery into the wilderness and eventually to the promised land or to the edge of the promised land. And now we have John the Baptist, who leads all who will listen out to the wilderness to get to know God again. John dresses like Elijah the prophet. He acts like Elijah the prophet. He's that fountain of prophecy that Israel's been looking for. So, why do they listen to John the Baptist? Because everything about John the Baptist, from his miraculous birth, to his desert cries, to the way he dressed, to the what he ate, proclaimed, God is up to something. You need to pay attention. Now, 
what was Israel looking for? Well, I've already mentioned peace. We're talking about peace this week. I'm not sure the people of Israel really knew what they wanted from John. They wondered if he was the Messiah, and they were looking for someone to set them free from the Romans, the oppressors that ruled over them. They were not necessarily looking for eternal life in heaven the way we think of it. And as they read the accounts of John the Baptist, the sense is, is that the common people of Israel, they just know that things aren't working anymore, and it's time for a change. They're struggling day in and day out for very little. They're tired of conflict. They're tired of this struggle. They're tired of stress. They want relief for today, for now, for this moment. And fortunately, very fortunately, Jesus gives that relief. And then he takes that relief that for now, and he stretches it into the peace of eternity, salvation. And so this is why, as I read Mark 1 and think about Advent peace, I can say with confidence that this is a promise of peace, not just for eternity, but peace for the present moment. Israel hungered for it, and so do you and I. And so John lays out a pattern of steps for Israel, and in turn for you and for me. If we want to restore the peace of Jesus in our lives, we need to do these things. And as I was reading the text, it occurred to me that John is not the only one preparing the way for the Lord. He calls Israel and you and me to prepare the way for Jesus. Preparation is important. If you don't prepare, you can't enjoy things. Christmas celebrations cannot happen without preparation. Someone has to go out and put up the decorations. Someone has to schedule the calendar and purchase the gifts and wrap the gifts and invite family over. Without preparation, nothing happens or it won't happen well. And it's the same with every endeavor. I know that we are here in December right now. It's been a good December. It's been nice and warm, but winter is coming and the snow will fly soon. But in just a little while, the best gardeners among us will begin preparing. In fact, some of them already have. They will plan the spaces in their gardens where the tomatoes will be planted and what they'll grow this next season. And They will think about what needs to be planted first and what they'll plant after the harvest for the next round, and they'll start seeds, and they'll they'll order seeds, and they'll, they'll prepare the ground, and I am a terrible gardener. That's what I know. And the biggest reason is, is I am a poor planner. What happens every year is sometime in the last week of April, when it's just about too late, I get this urge, ah, we should plant something outside and grow. But then I look outside at the flower beds or the garden beds, and they are still full of last season's weeds. And if I'm honest, last season's weeds are probably a couple years old by now. I have not prepared. I have not planned. And so while it can be done, the work is a lot harder. We need to prepare the way. Now, the good news is this. No matter where you're at in life, today, you can start the work of preparing the way for the Lord Jesus into your heart. Maybe it's the first time ever you've invited him and you're becoming a Christian. Maybe it's for a recommitment or a renewed relationship with him. It can be done. And I want to highlight three steps that the people of Israel take when they respond to John the Baptist that prepares them to receive Jesus. And the first step is this. They return. John cries out from the desert, and the whole Judean countryside goes out to him. They go to the wilderness. The reality is, is they are returning to the wilderness. And the wilderness is where God led Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. They wandered in that wilderness for 40 years, and they needed to be in that wilderness because they needed to get to know God. They needed to learn how to depend upon God. And so the first step of returning is, is that we return to the wilderness, and that means we're going to where God is. 
And by this I mean that you make an active effort to seek the face of God, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to get to know Jesus. And you're going to do this through times of prayer, through reading the Bible, from going to church. Yes, you got to go to church and be among other Christians. And that means be accountable to other Christians. I know from personal experience, when I'm struggling in life and feeling like everything is wrong, my personality would rather be alone. And I don't mean alone in a good way. I mean, I like to pull back from all other people, including God, and I know that's wrong. But I also know I need to do the opposite. I need to actively seek God where he is at. I need to go where he is, out of my little cave that I like to make for myself and go to God. The second part of returning is it's not just going to where God is, but it's returning to the wilderness means that you get away from human strength because the Israelites, they left Jerusalem, they left the cities, they left the farms, they left the places that they had cultivated to the wilderness, the desert, where there were no resources to survive. Going to the Jordan River to hear John the Baptist meant traveling away from a sure thing. Perhaps you need to step away from your own strength, your own control, your own plans, and move towards a new sort of dependence upon God. Now, near the end of our text today, John says he is not worthy to untie the sandals of the Messiah to come. John's saying he doesn't feel like he can even do the duty of a slave. He's so unworthy. Now, if you want to get away, if you want to get near Jesus, you've got to get away from your own strength. And when you get away from your own strength, you can approach the power of Jesus. So, there's a returning step in finding peace. There's also a repenting step. John is known for his call to repentance, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And dealing with sins is non-comfortable business. It's very frustrating. It's not something we like, but it leads to peace. Repentance is the act of turning from your sin, but also turning towards God. And it starts with a very important word, confession. And as we read today in Mark, everyone was going to John the Baptist and confessing their sins. And confession is important and it's hard. There's a little story that goes like this. There's a telemarketer who called a home one day and a small voice whispered, Hello? Oh, hello. What's your name? That little voice then whispered, my, my name's Jimmy. Well, how old are you, Jimmy? I, I'm four years old. Oh, good. Is your mother home? Uh, yes, but she's busy. Oh, oh, okay. Is your father home? Uh, yes, but he's busy too. Uh, I see. Uh, is there anyone else there I could talk to? Uh, the, the police? The police? Now the telemarketer's starting to get concerned. Can I speak to one of them? Well, oh, they're busy too. Are there any other grown-ups there? Firemen? Can I speak with a fireman, please? They're all busy. Jimmy, all those people are in your house, and I can't talk with any of them. What are they doing? Looking for me? (laughs) Hiding might seem like a solution. It might seem like a fun game, but it can hurt a lot of people. Confession is the action that takes what is hidden in our lives and puts it out into the open. Confession is often unwelcome in our world because it requires us to be honest about what we have done and what we believe. And I want to highlight this about confession. It has two parts. First, it is a proclamation of faith. This is what I believe. And hopefully, when you confess, you're confessing to believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But secondly, confession is a verbal acknowledgement of sin. Now, Israel in Mark 1 is doing the second part. They're confessing their sin. And by confessing their sin, they're preparing the way to be able to meet Jesus and be able to understand who he is. Now, confession is also a restorative action. 
in which we speak aloud what we believe about God and the sins we've committed. It's restorative. Don't forget that. Repentance is not fun, but it is restorative. Third and final step I want to highlight today is to recommit. Making way for peace is a recommitment. This comes from John's baptism. It's puzzling to me that the people of Israel were willing to be baptized. I've always wondered about this. Because baptism is not a normal part of the Jewish faith. It's still not a normal part of the Jewish faith. They have one ritual of baptism, and it is not for Israelites. It is for Gentiles, for non-Jewish people who want to convert to the Jewish faith. Every Israelite who's receiving John's baptism is essentially saying, I am now going to truly join the Jewish people. I had straight away, I wasn't doing what I should, but now I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to live my faith. This time I'm going to do what God has asked me to do in his covenant. Baptism was an action of commitment to God. And the calling here is for you and for me to commit to Jesus. It's not easy to do. Pavel Paloz, a Russian Christian exiled in Russia from 1987, he wrote these words, and I know they are true today, uh, even though they were written a while ago now, uh, they are still true today about the difference between places where Christianity is illegal and places like America, where we really do still have freedom of religion. And he writes these words, In Russia, Christians are tested by hardship, but in America, you're tested by freedom. And testing by freedom is much harder. Nobody presumes or nobody pressures you about your religion. So you relax and you're not so concentrated on Christ, on his teaching and how he wants you to live. In other words, you don't have to be that committed. But John calls us. He calls us to return, to repent, and to recommit. And that results in peace. Because returning is what we do when we go to where God is at. And repentance, that's confession of your sins and what you believe about Jesus. And recommitment is a following of Jesus. I'm going to do this right. And all three of those put together contribute to preparing the way for God to do a new work in your life. And the result is peace. Peace for eternity, but also for now. Will you do this? Will you walk through these steps? I'd like to close our time with a prayer by Benedict of Nursia, a prayer about seeking God. And perhaps this can be your prayer as you enter the wilderness to meet with Jesus and be filled with his peace. So let us pray. And it goes like this. Gracious and holy Father, please give me intellect to understand you, reason to discern you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, a spirit to know you, a heart to meditate upon you, ears to hear you, eyes to see you, a tongue to proclaim you, a way of life pleasing to you patience to wait for you, and a perseverance to look for you. Grant me a perfect end, your holy presence, a blessed resurrection, and everlasting life. Amen. Go with Jesus.